everyone and welcome to episode 63 of the retrospectors podcast doom 2 my name is patrick arthur and i'm joined as always by my co-host james turlings james it's been more than 60 episodes but we finally return to episode one a sequel to episode one where we did doom one with doom 2 and i'm delighted to be returning to the boomer shooter genre i'm kind of glad that we get to revisit the series with a more i guess better understanding of how to articulate our opinions on video games um it always galls me a little bit that doom 1 the first episode of our show is always the one that people download um and i think uh, i think that's a big mistake guys don't do it <laughs> it's we, we've certainly come a very long way since those early days with Doom 1, and our first episode is a bit of a chaotic mess. Uh, we're a bit all over <laughs> the place, the discussion is far-ranging, far more resembling our rambles ruining friends' dinners than more coherent discussion. But, you know, that's the joy of podcasting. You need to start somewhere, and we started with Doom 1. So uh, it's going to be fun to talk about Doom 2 with a slightly more informed perspective. Absolutely. Patrick, you uh, you went back and played Doom 1, didn't you, after playing through Doom 2 for this episode? Yes, I did. Um, and in fact, I've played a lot of Doom, uh, more than most people, I'd say, uh, ever since playing that first Doom 1 episode. Uh, I played it a lot as a kid, of course, but it's only in recent times that I've really got into Doom properly, you know, playing on ultraviolence without God mode and everything. So after playing Doom 1 back uh, back for Episode 1, I played through about half of Doom 2 before skipping to the Plutonia experiment, and I played TNT Evolution as well, which was garbage. I loved Plutonia Experiment. I thought it was brilliant uh, and it kicked my ass left, right and center. After that, I played uh, the entirety of a custom WAD called Scythe and I'm about halfway through one called Speed of Doom. So I've got a fairly decent spread of Doom knowledge now um, and I think I've got a good grip, if not a perfect grip, on what encapsulates a good doom map or at least what i enjoy out of doom maps james you've um you've still only played doom one and two correct yep haven't touched it since you know three years ago when we did the first episode so doom 2 my second well i mean i played the first game as a kid briefly uh but you know doom 2 my second real experience with the franchise outside of the re the recent games yeah so in that sense we'll be bringing fairly different backgrounds to this game but in some ways that's all the more enjoyable so um i'm yeah. i'm looking forward to uh putting you up on a on a podium james and getting your thoughts on these things because i think that as i played more and more doom my perspective on these things changed over time so it should be interesting to see how we how we think differently about it uh, for first-time listeners, James and I make up the Retrospectors podcast. Each and every fortnight, we play through classic games of the past to determine if they've truly stood the test of time and are worth playing today. The critical thing about our podcast and what we try to do differently from the other retro gaming podcasts out there is that we are not a nostalgia podcast. We are not here to celebrate these games intrinsically for being games or try to appreciate and understand these games in the context and times in which they were produced. We simply want to know is, 
are these true classics that are still enjoyable today? In the same way that I recently went back and watched Chinatown for the first time a couple of months ago, a movie that's over 50 years old, and loved it to pieces. I thought it was brilliant. I want to know if I can play a video game that's 30 years old and still enjoy it today in a modern context. And of course, not every game meets the high standard that we set. And, you know, this isn't the only way that you can review a video game. But, you know, for this show, these are the rules we play by. And of course, if we say that something hasn't stood the test of time, we're not saying that it's a terrible game. It's just that it hasn't met that high bar. And the ones that do meet that high bar are true classics in our eyes. Yeah, to us, it means that in amongst all of the modern titles that get released, you can download these games today, play them in between a game released in 2016 and 2019, and get equal or sometimes even more enjoyment from it. So it's how we do it on the Retrospectors podcast. So what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about Doom 2 and by extension Doom 1, because one of the mistakes we made on a very first episode when we uh, reviewed Doom 1, is we didn't spend enough time contextualizing and explaining how these games functioned. I was under the impression that every single human being in the world must know Doom 1 like the back of their hand, which, of course, is wrong. A lot of people are console gamers out there, so I'd never experienced it. Yeah, we kind of just brushed the explanation to the wayside and just assumed that everybody had Doom on a calculator sitting next to them. Um, So, you know, this time we should probably probably give some context to the game we're about to review because the number one piece of feedback we got after our very first episode was i have no idea what the game you played was like (laughs) even though we spoke about for 40 minutes they still had no idea (laughs) so um i'm going to explain doom 2 a bit and we i still recommend uh going back and listening to our first episode on doom 1 uh even if it's just to show how far we've grown but we're going to be spending a bit more time Uh, explaining and contextualizing Doom 2 than we normally do for sequel episodes because we didn't do a great job explaining it in the first episode. So Doom 2 is a 2.5D first-person shooter developed by id Software and first released for DOS in 1994. It is a sequel with no dramatic changes to the base formula. Um, For example, you could look at something like Thief 1 to Thief 2, Um, it's mostly the same game and it relies more on new level design, new enemies and a new weapon to create a different kind of experience. And once again, Thief 2 is another good comparison because the main point of difference between those games is a level design and it's the same here with Doom 2. So just a point of explanation for what 2.5D is. Uh, I'm no expert on this term and it's a fairly technical one. But the basic idea is that the world is three-dimensional to a point, but the player, the enemies, and the objects in the world are all 2D sprites. So they're not three-dimensional models. They're 2D sprite. When you see an enemy, they're always facing towards you, and it's a 2D sprite. And it's the same for all the objects in the world. In terms of level design, 2.5D maps are distinct from 3D probably most in the sense that you can't have rooms on top of rooms. You can have different layers, you can have different levels of elevation on specific areas, but you can never sit one tile above another tile and have two people, two enemies occupying tiles on top of one another at the same time. I think 
outside of technical explanations because I don't even have a full understanding of it. It's something that really only Doom mappers do, I think, is that Doom 2 and Doom and Doom in general has a unique kind of level design and layout that you don't see in any other FPS really made out of this era. Even the build engine games, which are 2.5D technically as well, employ a lot of technical trickery to in practice have rooms on top of rooms that just don't exist in doom so yeah i really just want to hone in on that doom and doom 2 are first person shooters in level design unlike any other modern shooter so doom 2 in addition to having um fairly different level design also introduced some new enemies which we'll get into detail later the Chain Gunner, the Revenant, the Mancubus, the Archfile, the Arachnotron, the Hell Knight, and Pain Elementals. And it also introduced a new weapon, the Super Shotgun. Just one weapon, but uh, turns out to be fairly impactful. In terms of how Doom 2 actually plays, we're getting real basic here, but I know there are people out there who haven't played. Doom, is, Doom 2 is segmented to 30 levels, um, not three separate episodes like in Doom 1. There are separate story chunks with with different environments but you don't need to restart the game for each episode it's just one continuous thing and you keep your gear throughout the goal of each level is simply to reach the exit you you start at the start of the level you need to get to the end of the level and of course in between you and the end of the level are a horde of monsters some locked doors and plenty of power-ups weapons and ammo so you move through the level, killing enemies, gathering resources, weapons and ammo, and, and the occasional power-up. And the major things gating your progress through the level are locked doors or key switches. There, there are three types of keys to find, red, blue, and yellow, and they'll open be the major gateways to your progress. So there's usually three gateways, three major things blocking your progress through level, and they kind of uh, punctuate your progress through a doom level the first couple of levels don't have key doors or only have one or two two key doors but you are rapidly forced into situations where there's usually three key doors per level and that's really it it's a first person shooter you gun down enemies perhaps the only other major thing to mention about how doom 2 plays compared to modern shooters is that there is no vertical aiming whatsoever which is a little odd to think about but you just move left and right you can't move up or down. And the game compensates for this by giving you a large amount of auto-aim. So if you're aiming relatively close to an enemy, even if they're on a level far above you, your shots will still help hit those enemies. You've also got the quirk where you and enemies have infinitely high hitboxes, which, uh, which does have some gameplay implications, as I'm sure we'll get into later. So, so that's a basic explanation of Doom and Doom 2. Um, you'll get a better idea watching a YouTube video because it is very different from any modern shooter. Uh, technically, I wanted to touch on how we chose to play Doom 2. Uh, when we first played Doom 1 in Episode 1, we played on a different engine to the one we played this time. We played on GZ Doom when we played Doom 1. And there are many different ways to access Doom 1, and I think... Playing on GZ Doom was a mistake. GZ Doom is a highly customizable, modifiable, multiplayer-focused engine. 
Uh, and it's probably not the best way to get the vanilla Doom 1 and Doom 2 experience. Like, we were still playing Doom, but there were some notable exceptions. And while I can't remember exactly, I don't think when we played Doom 1, we had the infinitely tall hitboxes, uh, which, you know, was far more noticeable when we played this time around. And that, that may be why. This time for Doom 2, we played on Crispy Doom. And Crispy Doom is a branch of a mod called, of an engine called Chocolate Doom. And Chocolate Doom just tries to emulate the experience exactly as it was when the game first released. Crispy Doom keeps the gameplay experience intact, but gives you some nicer visuals. You can play in widescreen and the resolution's improved. It, the gameplay experience is the same, but the, um, but the graphical fidelity is improved. Uh, while still, of course being Doom. This isn't a graphics mod, it's a graphics enhancement. Whew. That was quite a lot to talk about, James. Any other notes on how we chose to play Doom 2? The only thing I would say is, like, maybe for the show it was incorrect to choose GZ Zoom um, for the episode, but would you not recommend that for people trying to play Doom today no, still? No, I would recommend Crispy Doom. I think, oh, okay. I think that uh, if you're playing the base Doom games, you should play uh, Crispy Doom or Chocolate Doom if you're a purist. Because I think that while you can argue that the inclusion of these infinitely tall hitboxes isn't a good thing, I I think that it's part of the Doom experience. And I think there are some uh, interesting gameplay implications that aren't all negatives. Okay, sure. I mean, we'll get to that, of course. So before we get into the gameplay, I wanted to bring up a note about the story, believe it or not. Now, <laughs> the thing about Doom is that it doesn't really have much of a story. You're you're killing a lot of demons, you go into hell, and you kill a lot more demons, and you save the earth and all the people living on it. And Doom 2 has some more specific text crawl uh, that explains what you're doing every 10 missions, but really, the story isn't an important part of Doom. But... The thing I wanted to bring up is that I think that not having a story or having a story that's barely there isn't necessarily a bad thing and in some cases can be a very good thing. I know that you're going to bring up Doom Eternal here, which uh, in my opinion is one of the most like forced in your face and kind of awful stories uh, that I've played in a shooter, right? Yes. Uh, it's not only the fact that it keeps putting you in these cutscenes that I could not give two shits about. It's this uh, kind of self-masturbatory treatment of the Doom guy. And I think that once you do that, it just feels silly and stupid. Whereas without that, you can you can buy into this fantasy of just going around murdering everyone. The other thing is that the story of the Doom guy as this invincible killer of demons in the modern Doom Eternal games, I don't think is a reflection of how you actually play these games which is with a lot of caution and being aware of traps <laughs> and tiptoeing around a lot of the time and you know eventually with mastery of doom you might start to feel like that but it's something that you earn over time not something that you're just invincible and can kill everything so i think the story of doom eternal was a massive misstep and i think that i would far prefer sometimes it's better for games to have no story and doom the original Dooms, are perfect with no story. And if they had story, it would be a worse game for it. Yep, these are a gameplay experience, first and foremost, and I'm perfectly okay with that. 
Okay, so with that done, it's time to get into the gameplay. So James, the very first thing I wanna to speak to you about is probably to me the most impactful addition to Doom 2. And it's almost immediately noticeable. You get this thing on mission two of Doom 2. And that is the super shotgun. The super shotgun is an absurd weapon. Uh, for those who are unaware with this, it deals um, spread damage in an AoE. It takes two shotgun pellets per shot and takes two twice as long to reload between shots, but it does three times the damage or just under three times the damage of the regular shotgun if you can get all the pellets to hit. And this super shotgun dramatically changes the feel and context and texture of Doom 2. So James, I'm going to throw it to you. What what do you think of the super shotgun? Do you think it's a good addition? Do you think it's overpowered? Just just tell me what you think. So when I first played Doom 1, um, one of the things I liked was that you have like seven weapons and you get to, you know, ration your ammo and choose the right weapon for the right situation. Um, like you said, the super shotgun is incredibly powerful um, so powerful that I reckon in the first like four levels of Doom 2, you know, barring Doom uh, level one where you don't have it, I used exclusively the super shotgun and just conserved the rest of my ammo. It was that powerful. Um, it feels really good to use, right? Like it's so strong. It's got a huge kick to it. The animation. The sound. Great. The sound is awesome. Yeah. But um, like... I had this really initial love for this weapon, and then I remember, because you watched me play a level, and I said during that level, like, I feel like I'm using this thing too much, to which you said, I don't mm. think so. Um, and it was kind of around that point that I started questioning it, because I was like, wait a second, this thing that I liked from the first game... Um, you know, of having to pick your weapon based on what enemy you're playing against, is kind of disappearing because this thing's just so good. And... I think later in the game, I kind of went back the other way and did start using more weapons uh, in different situations, but I still just always fell back on this one gun. So I don't really know how to feel about it. I don't love its inclusion here, but I don't hate it because it just feels so good to use. So I think that Doom 2 without the super shotgun would be a far more miserable experience and the reason for that is i think the enemies demanded a bread and butter weapon that could actually kill them with relative speed i actually think it's the reverse um so if i can give my opinion on this um because the super shotgun is so good I feel that, like, as they were making the levels for the game and they realized how good... Because they wanted to add a new weapon, right? This is in my head, right? This is my headcanon for mm -hmm. what happened during development, right? We're making a sequel. We need to add a new cool weapon so people will play our game. So they add the super shotgun, um, and it's super powerful, has a huge kick to it. Um, but then, at the same time, you need to challenge the player. So you can't. what ends up happening is that they end up throwing harder enemies at you or more more specifically larger packs of enemies so that you know even though you have this crazy strong weapon you're still you know threatened so i think the idea that taking away the super shotgun but leaving the stronger packs of enemies just sounds silly to me okay so i think that that specifically the high volume of enemies is perhaps a problem with the level design or the monster placement of the level design of Doom 2 then a problem with the 
the super shotgun itself. So I went back and played Doom 1, you know, in addition to Doom 2, just because I wanted to have a fair point of comparison. And something that really stood out is that in the later levels of Doom 1, they become very sloggy. Uh, it takes three shotgun shells to kill a pinky, like three regular shotgun shells. It takes six regular shotgun shells to kill a single cacodemon. It takes 15 regular shotgun shells to kill a Baron of Hell. So the game needed, like, and I, I would say this is a criticism of Doom 1, specifically outside the first episode if you're gonna have stronger enemies and even doom one had these tankier enemies you needed a faster way to deal with them if the game was going to evolve and have more interesting combat scenarios and i think the super shotgun as a bread and butter weapon that you're provided plenty of ammo for is justified as being overpowered in this sense yeah, I kind of agree with you. They do want to lift the power level on the encounters a bit to make this feel like a sequel. Um, although I don't kind of, I don't, I kind of don't love the direction that they went in here. Like in the first game, like you said, pinkies were kind of like a real threat. They took three shotgun blasts to kill, and you'd like encounter three at once, maybe. But now you usually encounter like six plus at once. You can encounter like up to like ten of these things. Um, and they, you know, they only take 10 shots as opposed to like three taking nine. It's it's just so funny you say this because one of my major criticisms that I've got written down here is the overuse of these fucking packs of pinkies. And it's not always 10. Sometimes it feels like it's 25. It's just so many pinkies. And pinkies aren't interesting to fight in these big open areas that it dumps you in because they just end up conga lining and you're just, you're just yeah. emptying shell after shell into them. But, but if you look at a enemy that's better designed, say the Revenant, you can see that the super shotgun is kind of at the right power level when fighting three Revenants, for example. Um, yes. The other thing that I think the super shotgun adds over the regular shotgun is that the super shotgun requires or heavily incentivizes you to get pretty close to the enemy in order to be effective against them. The regular shotgun, which you know you'll you'll take out every now and then in Doom Two, for has a is actually a fine weapon to use at longish ranges. Like you can just shoot shoot enemies at medium to long ranges with a shotgun. Not as effective as a chain gun, but you can do it. In Doom Two, you really want to be fairly close to the enemy so you can get all those pellets hitting the enemies to maximize your uh, ammo efficiency. And I think that's a good thing. I think that incentivizing the player to close the gap and bring the fight to the demons is better than the infinite backward strafing you do in Doom 1 around level as enemies slowly chase you. Yeah, like, I think that with Doom's, like, aesthetic and theme of, like, the Demon Slayer going into hell, I think when, if the gameplay incentivizes a kind of playstyle where you're, like, standing back and slowly shooting at enemies for a distance, I'm not sure that kind of fits the theme that it's going for. So, like you, I did enjoy uh, the emphasis on this close-range combat. And Doom's quite a fast game. You sprint really fast. Like, I, when coming back to the game, I wasn't used to how fast, and I was, like, sticking with the normal walk speed. Um, but I, I really enjoy... 
um just the feeling of going super fast through the level while blasting things you know right up in their face i think to me that's a much more enjoyable play style than sitting back with the chain gun tapping the button uh until a cacao demon dies like a minute later yeah we should i really want to emphasize what you just said there the move speed particularly when you strafe run because for whatever reason in doom strafing and maybe even diagonally strafing is faster than moving forwards or backwards yeah like holding forward yeah. and left or forward and right at the same time is just faster you than move fucking ludicrously fast like there's no game that compares to your movement speed it's like if you were to do a rocket jump, like a horizontal rocket ju- jump in Quake, that's what your default move speed in Doom is. It's really, really, really fast. Um, and it mm. it's a lot of what lends the flavor and feel of Doom to Doom. The idea that you can just strafe around a pack of demons um, to dodge their projectiles, essentially. Yeah, and in like Doom 1, when we did that episode, something that I like to bring up regarding the speed is that I think the lack of vertical aiming and just the simple horizontal aiming works really well with this high intensity. It means that like newer players who suck at shooters like me can still have fun going super fast because my aim doesn't suffer. Because if I had to vertical aim at the same time as running really fast, what would happen? is I'd constantly come to a stop so I could aim it ahead and then click and then move a little bit and then you know I couldn't zoom around the level you know one hitting things with the super shotgun if I had to vertical aim at the same time and James I think you're completely right on this uh in episode one one of the criticisms I brought up was the lack of vertical aiming I was like it's more fun to aim at enemies and shoot them than it is to just aim in that general direction and, you know, maybe I just found Doom 1 too simple and easy. You know, I think I died once or twice the entire time and I wanted a different challenge. But after playing more and more Doom, that thing you said about strafing around at ludicrous speeds, it aiming at enemies perfectly while doing that is not really feasible, even for someone who's quite good at FPS games. But more importantly, Doom and good Doom levels just don't try to create challenge in that way and there were plenty of ways to create challenge as i found out when i played through plutonia and experiment and scythe um there's plenty of doom levels that will kick your ass left right and center without needing to be difficult in that way so um i agree with you james i think that doom needs to have only horizontal aiming and the game is better for it yeah and i before I said I wasn't really sure about the super shotgun, and now that I think about it, I'm I'm kind of with you in that it makes the game a lot faster and snappier like it's supposed to be. The base mechanics of Doom um, that have carried over from the first game to the second game are really strong. You know, the feedback from shooting things feels really good. It sounds really good. You know, I love zooming around um, at a million miles, blasting things in my face. So to me, like, Doom is a game that's like really got really good solid core mechanics even though you know it's very simple at the end of the day one more kind of note on the super shotgun did you were you strafing around enemies to line them up to get shots on like multiple low level enemies as like a ammo conservation technique because this is something that i was doing i didn't even realize i was doing it until i kind of sat back and was like wait a second what is it i'm doing was this something you're engaging with or were you just kind of shooting enemies yeah so i don't know about you um but i think a lot of the ammo in this game comes from finding secrets and 
having not played Doom for like three years, I was really rusty at sniffing these things out. So I was generally getting through, I'd say the first eight or so levels, just barely with, you know, enough ammo to finish the level. Um, so after, you know, that happened to me a few times, I ended up, you know, like you said, starting to be super, trying to be efficient with my ammo. Um, but later in the game, I was able to find enough secrets that I felt like I broke the ammo economy enough to not need to mm -hmm. do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of think it's interesting in that yes. way. But it does change with your skill level, for sure. The interesting thing about the super shotgun in that regard is that there's a quite a long time between uh, reloading and taking the next shot. The super shotgun does a big burst of damage and then it does the reloading animation. But that reloading animation gives you time to reposition and remaneuver so that you can take another optimal shot with the super shotgun. Even as if it's as simple as ducking in and out of cover or as complicated as lining up enemies to maximize the damage you're dealing. And yeah, I mean, I know this seems like quite a small technical point, but I think it adds a great sense of flow to the combat with the super shotgun. Um, there's These are all little things, but together I think it explains how impactful introducing even a single weapon like the super shotgun was. It's overpowered. Like, I don't think there's any any arguing that. The super shotgun, if you want a pound for pound, like most effective weapon in Doom moving forwards, it's a super shotgun. But I think that despite the fact that it's overpowered, that it does improve the experience overall. And giving you that strong, powerful option lets them up the challenge level significantly. So... I mean, I think it's a poor reflection on the rest of the weapons, to be honest. Like, near the end of the game, I had two kind of default modes that I defaulted to when fighting enemies, and it was A, use the super shotgun, and then B, if there's a, a pack of enemies a certain size, use the rocket launcher um, to clear them out with AoE. And if they're even bigger, use the BFG to, you know, decimate a room. Um, so I think it does kind of narrow your weapon decision making a bit so i kind of wish that the other weapons were more useful feeling like i basically never pulled out the plasma rifle um and only pulled out the chain gun to like you know pick off enemies in the far distance slowly you know it kind of makes the re rest of the doom kit look kind of shitty by comparison i think that's Fair to a point. So I think that the big problem with the... The number one problem with the Doom 2 weapon roster is probably the chain gun. Uh, the chain gun is only really useful for sniping fodder enemies. That's its main use. Yeah. Uh, and that, to me, is just a little too narrow. And I always felt like I was forced to use the chain gun when I got to full chain gun ammo to conserve my ammo. But unless I was sniping chain gunners a lot along distances, it never felt optimal. But to me, that's kind of good because that weapon has its niche that you need to learn while playing the game, right? Like, to me... That has a niche, the rocket has a niche, plasma rifle or whatever it is that just chews up BFG ammo. Like, what's the niche of that thing? So the plasma rifle is useful. Uh, it's the most accurate weapon in the game. So if you want to snipe a, a powerful enemy, the plasma rifle is a better choice than the 
than the chain gun. And also the BFG chews ammo up 50 at a time. So sometimes you just want to, the plasma rifle can be very effective at taking out a few lost souls without um, using up all of your BFG ammo. I mean, I'd only use the BFG when there's like 30 plus enemies on screen, right? When it's like ammo efficient to do so. So the plasma rifle gives you a high damaging option when you um when you want to snipe enemies. I agree with you that when you get into those spots, the BFG tends to be more useful, but I definitely use the plasma rifle plenty throughout my playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you're maybe underutilizing it at medium range, maybe uh, to take out the odd Arachnatron or Mancubus or Archfile. Okay, because those things just took like three shotguns to kill. That I was fine with that. I was also fine at tapping at them for ages and safety with the chain gun. Like I wasn't really using that chain gun ammo anyway, and the BFG ammo to me is so much more valuable um, that I just basically never wanted to use that gun. Yeah, I I, I can see how you would um. I, I can see how you'd come to that conclusion and how you'd play the game in that way. And if you watch people who are good at doing play, they probably don't use the plasma rifle very much. And I struggle to tell you exactly, you know, it's better <laughs> at at doing this than any other gun because there's a lot of overlap. But um, I busted out the plasma rifle a reasonable amount, usually to take on, you know, if I wanted to kill a pain elemental really quickly, for example. Uh, or sometimes to take out an arch file. So I don't think it's completely useless. I'm far more upset about the um, the chain gun kind of becoming obsolete with the introduction of the super shotgun. Um, more broadly, though, James, I would say that games like Halo uh, have shown us that even with a limited weapon roster, the game can still be good. And I would say Halo 1 probably has about three to four usable, you know, good weapons and a lot of mediocre ones. And it doesn't end up being that different from Doom in that regard. So I think Halo 1's weapon roster is way better than Doom's weapon roster. I felt like every weapon in Halo 1's roster had its niche, and I liked that. And I liked having to... I mean, it's different because there's a two-weapon limit, right? Like, you have to figure out the best combination for the level you're in. So it's like a different little game you're playing with your weapons there. Yeah, when I played Halo 1, I thought I would consider the the core weapons, the pistol, the sniper rifle, the shotgun, and the plasma pistol, and then the rocket launcher when you occasionally run into those. And, you know, that's, that's I mean, it's a bit more than Doom, but it's really not that much more. I, I think that, I, I guess the broader point I'm trying to make is that even if there's only four viable weapons, that's okay. And I know for you it was more like three, but... You don't need to throw nine weapon, weapons at the player like you like in Dusk to still have a good weapon economy. Yeah, it was okay. I didn't love it. I think that the fact that the super shotgun feels as good as it does to use does make up for it. So I wasn't super upset about this. All right, so we'll be getting into some more complicated stuff in a moment, but I think it's time for a music break. James, have you selected a track for us to uh, listen to? So I am of two minds about Doom 2's music. Um, On one hand, like every time I loaded into a level and I started listening to the music, I was like, this is going to be awesome. This sounds really good. Um, 
but then like 20 seconds into the track i realized how repetitive the track was due to i assume the limited hardware space at the time of release um so i always felt like the tracks had really good ideas but you know in comparison to music of today's time the repetitiveness of the tracks kind of holds it back to me um i did pick a favorite it's called into sandy's city great choice it sounds really cool it's got a brilliant riff to it um but it's still super repetitive and i kind of wanted to use this uh as my key point about the music as as i like this track I don't like it as much as I could. I feel like it always feels like it's building up to something, but never quite gets there. So this is Into Sandy's City. That was Into Sandy City. Um, in my opinion, that song is like pure perfection for the first 20 seconds, and then it starts to get extremely repetitive. And I feel this way about basically all of the music in Doom 2. Um, it starts off great, but then like halfway through the level, I'm turning the sound down because I just cannot deal with how, how it's boring into my skull. Um, and this is kind of bad because the sound is incredibly important in this game. Like sound cues from enemies are like make or break in a lot of fights. And I just dealt with that because it was really getting on my nerves at points. Um, Patrick, I figure you liked it a bit more than I did. I did. Um, the repetitiveness that you mentioned grated on me far less than it did you, I think. Uh, I will say that Overall, I consider Doom 2's soundtrack to be worse than Doom 1's. I think that there are multiple tracks on here that I had no real interest in at all, whereas I think Doom 1's soundtrack is better. Like, I don't think there are many bad tracks at all, and I think there are some really outstanding ones. Um, stylistically, one of the things that Doom 2 does different to Doom 1 is it leans far less into the heavy metal theming and has a lot more... They're not ambient, but probably lighter and more atmospheric sort of uh, songs, songs with slower tempos to them, um, you know, with lighter snare drums setting the feel, like almost elevator music in some in some regards. It is kind of weird. The, those tracks that you're mentioning felt like immersion breaking to me. Mm. Like it just, 
it didn't really fit the theme of Doom, right? Like, I agree with you. The, and we didn't get to share music at the first game in the first episode because I think we only did music breaks in, like, episode four or <laughs> five onwards. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I There was a bunch of levels where I just did not care for the music. Um, there was, to me, like, three or four that I did quite like, and then, you know, the majority I, you know, found to be so-so. So I don't love the soundtrack here. It's definitely... I don't know. I, I turned it off a lot, so maybe I do hate the soundtrack, but uh, I don't feel that way when I think about it. I, I find it interesting that you say that... um that it doesn't fit the feeling of Doom. Because I think that, for me at least, Doom, this idea of Doom as this unending maddened spree of of demon fragging is not a good way to sum up classic Doom. I would say that particularly your first time through a Doom level, and particularly when you're no expert at Doom, you're not just immediately running in, killing everything that moves, frantically circle strafing. It's far more calm and cautious and exploratory when you first enter a Doom level because you don't know what threats lie around every corner and there are traps everywhere. And I think in that sense, this slower-paced, more tension-filled music does suit Doom. Like, it doesn't suit modern Doom, but I think it, it you can make a good case for it suiting the gameplay experience of classic Doom. Is there a bit of a disconnect there? Because like even all the, the cover arts and that kind of thing and the flavor of original Doom and the speed that you move at all seem to point towards to this like high speed fragging kind of gameplay. Um, and But like you, I did end up taking it quite slow at points. So I, I don't know. Um, maybe that's the case. Maybe there is a bit of a disconnect there. I'm not too sure. I, I think it's just the disconnect between um, between mastery of Doom and learning how to play Doom. And I know it's yeah. a meme, but this is something that we actually brought up on our Dark Souls episode, how <laughs> when you master Dark Souls, it does a lot to undermine the oppressive atmosphere the game is trying to present as you just roll through attacks like an idiot with no clothes on holding a giant club. Uh, I think that Doom, in a similar way, this music and atmosphere it presents does get undermined uh, as you get better and better at Doom. And for whatever reason... Well, to me, it's like the opposite, because the, the more you get better at Doom, the closer you are to the, you know, the box art of Doom. Yeah. You're just covered in hordes of enemies. It, and to me, that's better then when you get good at Dark Souls and suddenly you're this naked guy rolling around. Yeah, I, there's an interesting idea here about like what what enca truly encapsulates the identity of a video game, right? Because yeah. I, I think that, you know, when I think of my first foray through Doom, I'm scared and the atmospheric music suits it. But when I'm not scared and I know how to kill all the demons in the level and I know where all the traps are, well, suddenly I become the hunter. So yeah, I I think that um I think there's a place for this atmospheric music, but it certainly as I progressed through the level, the repetitiveness the repetitiveness became more obvious. And I think you raise a good point. Doom, at least in latter years, has become more divine but more defined by its ferocity than it has being a cautious exploration of the dark and the unknown. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so before we spoke about the Super Shotgun, and that was like one of the small additions to the game, because as we said, Doom 2 isn't like a full-blown crazy sequel. This feels almost like, you know, you could stitch these two games together and tell somebody that they're one game and they'd believe you kind of sequel. Like, it looks exactly the same as far as I'm concerned, um, and it plays almost exactly the same as far as I'm concerned. Um, just with these extra additions. So let's talk about the next bit of additions, which is the enemies. Um, and they do add quite a few new enemies to Doom 2. Um, off the top of my head, there is the hit-scanning chain gunners who shoot rapid-fire um, hit-scan attacks at you. There is the Hell Knights, which are based off of, I think, a mini-boss in Doom 1. Yeah, they're the, um, um, they're the Barons of Hell but with less damaging attacks and far less health. So it's just a risk it's a it's a reskin of the enemy but made a lot weaker. Yeah, and the same can be said of the Arachnatron, which is just a small version of the final boss in Doom, reskinned as a it, it's got it's got different gameplay implications. The the cyber sorry, not the cyber demon, the spider mastermind has a hit scan chain gun, whereas the Arachnatrons have a plasma rifle and you can dodge their shots. So while the Hell Knight is a strict reskin. The Arachnatron is more taking aesthetic inspiration as opposed to gameplay inspiration. Yep. Um, then we have stuff like the Pain Elemental, which is basically a reskinned cacao demon, which is this big, you know, circular sphere that flies and shoots. It's like a beholder. Yeah, but the the pain elemental shoots out more enemies as its attacks. It shoots out the flaming skulls. Lost souls. And then the most notable addition is the Archvile, which is probably the most terrifying enemy in all of Doom, uh, which is this enemy that resurrects other enemies. So if you don't deal with it fast enough, you get quickly overwhelmed. Um, was there any that I were missing, Pat? Yeah, there's also the Mancubus and the Revenants. But James, what I'd like to do is I've played I've played a lot more Doom than you are, so I know these enemies like the back of my hand. So I want to go through each one, and I want to ask how you feel about them, and we'll discuss them um, by themselves and kind of like the impact they have on the experience. So sure. let's start with the Chain Gunners, because the Chain Gunners are the first new enemy you encounter. You encounter them in Episode 3. Uh, sorry, not episode three. In level three of episode one, James, how did you um? What did you think of the chain gunners? Did you think they were a good addition? Um, how hard did you find them? Um, if you let them fire at you, you die very fast because they have you know very rapid fire, fairly accurate attacks that hit you from quite a distance. Um, the way I felt about this enemy. I quite liked their inclusion. Like, their high damage is balanced out by their relatively low health pool. Like, you can kill them with your own chain gun from across the room relatively easy. Um, and these were, you know, generally found on ledges and stuff, and you'd have to kind of, like, quickly survey a room and then snipe them from a distance to me before you could, like, enter a room proper. I always felt like if there were chain gunners present in the room... I couldn't be present in the room and I had to kind of like peek around corners and pick them off and then I could enter a room. Yeah, I think the chain gunners as a hit scanning enemy are a really good inclusion in Doom 2 for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, it We talked about this on our Call of Duty episode, or at least I made the argument that the key with uh, FPS games based around hit scan is that the enemies that are hit scanning you have to die easily and that's the trade-off if your hit scanning enemies are tanky they're not fun if they die easily they're more acceptable because 
Taking a little bit of chip damage is acceptable. Taking a bunch of damage because, you know, they're just absorbing a bunch of hits is not fun to deal with at all. In general, like the zombie kind of enemies that were just the humans, um, I found the most fun to kill because they like you could kill like five of them with one super shotgun blast and it was really satisfying. Like when you, you know, when you're fighting stuff like cacao demons in large quantities, it does feel like a quite a bit of a slog when you're just sitting there, you know, shooting blast after blast after blast waiting for them to die. So having these like super weak enemies peppered in in packs meant that your shots actually felt really impactful a lot of the time um so i think that this enemy's inclusion was you know really good for me um one final note uh i think that as people as people got better at making doom maps they truly did realize that even though they're very weak chain gunners in a lot of ways are the most dangerous enemy in doom because it's hard to play around hit scanning and this is something you have to deal a lot with in plutonia experiment plutonia experiment what they'll do is they will separate the chain gunners on elevated platforms and it'll be like one chain gunner per platform so you can't just bust out a rocket launcher and kill five of them and it will also keep putting them in ambush locations in unexpected places. So you'll be moving along and then a sliding door will open behind you and you'll immediately lose 50 health before you even know what's happening. I kind of hate that. Yeah, well, I, I think that um, I think that it's an acquired taste, the chain gunners in, uh, in Plutonia. But Doom 2 doesn't do this. And I, I just want to emphasize that. The, cha the chain gunners are mostly used pretty fairly and you can mostly see them... Uh, you can mostly play around them ahead of time. There are a few notable traps that will wreck your shit, but for the most part, they're nowhere near as deadly as they potentially can be. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the revenants. The revenants are a skeleton enemy. Um, they're fairly durable. They'll die in two to three super shotgun blasts, but they're not anywhere near the tankiest enemy. They shoot a rocket at you that has fairly good homing. It's not as close to you as the Vores from Quake, but it has relatively good homing. It's 50-50 on it being a homing rocket, I believe. Sometimes oh. it's not a... Yeah, so the homing rockets have these, like, smoke trails behind them, um, and then sometimes it just shoots a normal rocket that goes straight ahead. So you kind of have to watch. Um, otherwise, you'll get hit by the unexpected homing one, or, like, sometimes you'll try and predict a homing one but get hit because it wasn't homing. So uh, in terms of how much they home, the, the most effective way to dodge them is to sidestep them right before they hit you. If you slowly try to or take a wide strafing angle to dodge them, they'll just keep following you. So it creates like this interesting tension um, of, you know, you've got to dodge these rockets, but not, not too wide. Uh, they've also got a melee attack and uh, they can be baited into doing it if you're getting close. And you can also use corners to kind of stop them shooting rockets at you if you keep just ducking behind cover. They've got an acquisition time. How did you feel about the Revenants, James? Uh, good enemy? Annoying enemy? They were okay. Um, I never found them particularly difficult to deal with. Like you said, they're pretty vulnerable to corner ducking. Um, if there was, you know, in the middle of a room, I would try to stick to the wall so that the rocket would hit the wall. Um, that was mace that was the majority of how they impacted me playing. But otherwise, you know, classic three shotgun blast to the chest did the trick. Um, I generally, this was probably the enemy that, you know, 
made me start leaning on the run button more. Like by the end of the game, I was sprinting 100% of the time. Good on you, James. Um, you got there. Well done. Yeah, this was probably the one that encouraged me the most to do that um, because it let you dodge the rockets easier. Um, I think they're a fine inclusion to the game. They're probably my favorite of the new enemies that they added. Um, like to fight they're just you know they don't take too long to kill um and you know i i enjoy dodging projectiles so i liked having a more challenging projectile to dodge because i think that after you've played all of doom one and then most of doom two uh stuff like imps that just shoot a fireball are just not challenging enough to dodge anymore unless there's like 20 of them oh if you like revenants you'll love plutonia experiment it's got an absurd number of revenants it yeah. leans into them very heavily and i think you're right i think that the revenant is far and away the um adds the most to the your bread and butter doom 2 combat i like how you get encouraged to really close the gap with them and dodge those fire their their rockets at close range and i like how they're kind of neutered by getting in close range with a super shotgun it's a it's an interesting dance that you need to do so i agree with you revenants are fantastic so the the ones i want to talk about next and i kind of want to group these together and then split them apart um are the pain elemental and the arch file because to me these enemies are very similar in that you know the pain elemental will shoot out more enemies at you if you don't kill it and the archfile will resurrect more enemies if you don't kill it. So these are these are high priority targets. Um, and for me, something that I had a big problem with in Doom 2 was the absurd amount of enemy spam that this game does, right? Like constantly you'll be fighting like 30 plus enemies at a time. Like this game wasn't really interested in making a bunch of, you know, enemies that were fun to fight on their own. Uh, they just made lots of enemies that they could throw at you in large packs. And near at the end of the game, for example, let's consider two different packs, right? There's a pack that has 10 chain gunners and 10, I don't know, 10 imps versus a pack that has, uh, you know, five chain gunners, five zombies, and whatever, a bunch of pinkies, right? To me, these things are exactly the same thing because all I do is I pull out my rocket launcher or my BFG and I just like aim in the general direction of the mob density and blow them up. Um, what the pain elemental and the, uh, and the arch files do to me is that they make these really high priority targets within packs that makes fighting large packs of enemies a bit more enjoyable because now you're not just mindlessly shooting rockets into a mob, you're having to try and take out specific enemies in the mob first um, because otherwise you'll get overwhelmed. So those kind of enemies made the mob fights a bit more interesting for me. Couldn't have put it better myself, James. I completely agree. Uh, the the other big thing that I'll mention is that once again, it encourages you to play aggressively because you cannot sit back and snipe enemies with a chain gun if there's an arch file sitting behind it. You can't afford to sit back with a chain gun or a shotgun if you're being shot at with lost souls. If you trigger an encounter with an arch file, you are forced to go onto the offensive. And that's fantastic. It's It adds a dynamic that was completely lacking in Doom 1 because in Doom 1, you can just do that. You can take your leisurely time shooting one shotgun blast at a time from miles away until everything is dead. If you try to do that in Doom 2 when there's an arch file, you're not going to get very far. You're going to run out of ammo. Yeah. 
Um, I will say, and I fucking hate pain elementals. Like, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the arch, Everyone the arch knows. Fi- the archfile is okay. I way prefer fighting archfiles than pain elementals because the thing that shits me off about pain elementals is that they always spawn an enemy like between you and them, which absorbs your blast. So it takes ages to kill them because they just keep making enemies that block your shots. I fucking hate that shit. It's so frustrating. Like, I think it's probably a bad thing, right? Like, the Archfile doesn't do that, but it's like, it's it's a bigger threat because it has this hugely damaging attack that you need to line of sight, which, again, that's fun gameplay. Mm. Um, I get to, you know, duck behind cover to break line of sight for a second, and then I need to pop back out, figure out where it's moved to, and then shoot it. That's fun. When there's lots of pain elementals and, like, you're just not able to damage them for, like, 10 seconds at a time because of, you know, RNG um, with how much they're popping out skulls, I hate that shit. It's just so frustrating. It makes me, you know, not want to play the level. So I think that uh, in terms of design, most encounters can afford to have exactly one pain elemental. One. And I think that that can be a interesting addition to the fight i think when you start getting to multiple two or three pain there's elementals, like three or four yeah. it's like i don't want to it's, play it's this a level. it's it's too much because you, <laughs> it's you a just, clusterfuck it, it's a clusterfuck exactly it's not something that you can skillfully navigate you just need to kind of hope that everything lines up correctly but i would still argue that having exactly one pain elemental in a medium size encounter you're not dealing with so many lost souls that you can't maneuver and position yourself to kill that pain elemental i think that's fine but i agree i find them incredibly frustrating and i think that they needed to be used less here yeah and that wouldn't be a problem if doom 2 didn't do that thing you said of spawn heaps of them at the same time and it always does that it there are lots of cases in this game where you have to fight more than one at once And there's a specific level that we're going to talk about a lot later called Barrels of Fun (laughs) um, that has about five of these in a room with explosive barrels. Oh, boy, that is a Barrels of Fun level. Um, Yes, infamous uh, level. (laughs) Yeah, uh, not fun at all. Um, So, yeah, I love Archfiles. I think they're awesome. Something that I didn't like, actually was that this is such a scary enemy that I felt like their introduction was kind of... The levels didn't feel like they built up to it. Like, I want these levels to, like, revere these enemies, you know what I mean? Like, it should be a big special thing when you see the Archfile for the first time, and it kind of just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, Doom 2 also doesn't maximize the scariness of Archfiles at all. Uh, It will often put them with one one enemy and then they run out by themselves and you can easily kill them so even though archfiles are in theory far more threatening uh they are nowhere near as scary as they could be because the doom 2 level design doesn't really try and ruin you with them um on the other hand plutonia experiment i i I guided james through level one of plutonia experiment some time ago to try and convince him that there was more to doom than just what was in doom one and plutonium experiment on level one puts a arch vial behind a single chain gunner on an elevated platform and it's fucking terrifying this is level one and it combines one arch vial with one chain gunner in a specific configuration and that's a difficult thing to deal with 
Doom 2 doesn't do anything that that clever. Doom 2 doesn't do anything that scary. It just kind of has them peppered rarely throughout the game. And there's only probably two or three situations where they they really feel like they're using the threat of Archviles to anywhere near their maximum advantage. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, so the rest of the enemies... I didn't care about the rest of these at all, like the Hell Knights um, and the Arachnotrons. And the Mancubus, or do you feel different about them? And the Mancubus? No, I didn't. I really didn't like the inclusion of any of these. The Mancubus was sometimes interesting because it's massive and it shoots two rockets at once. So what you can do is, because in Doom, um, if enemies of different types shoot each other, they'll start fighting. Sometimes, if you position yourself correctly, you can get a mancubus to wipe out half a room for you. That was sometimes interesting. Um, but for the most part, like they're just another high health health enemy. And like the Hell Knight to me is just an imp, but with more health and damage. Like it's just another projectile attack that it does. Uh I agree mostly. I think the Mancubus is more interesting than you give it credit for. The way it shoots fireballs at you, you can dodge between them because it shoots yeah, two fireballs at you from its fists. And it does it in more interesting patterns, I think, than uh, than the imps or the hell knights so i i quite like the mancubus's addition but when it comes to the arachnotron and hell knights i just view them as like medium durability medium range medium strength monsters that are just there to absorb you know ammo they're there to absorb yeah. rocket launcher shots or super shotgun shots and there's nothing particularly interesting about them yep and when those types of enemies like the mancubus the Hell Knights, the Arachnotron, the Cacao Demons, those kinds of like mid-health enemies appear in large quantities. My enjoyment of the game plummets. Like I always hate when that shit happens. Like I never feel like spamming high health enemies at the player is fun. Like I always feel like, okay, I'm gonna be tied to this door frame for like five minutes while I like, you know strafe back and forth between the door while i take out this room that has 10 million health um the fact I, I just want enemies like that to have less health but shoot more projectiles instead i think that would be more fun because i think a lot of the enemies in doom you know they're like you said the the mancubus projectiles are kind of fun to dodge i think you could have even more fun by having more projectiles to dodge um, and having them be have less health, because like as I said before, low health enemies feel fun to kill. So if you make them, you know, low health, high threat, it's way more interesting than what happens when there's like three cacao demons in a room and you're just dancing around the door forever, not doing anything particularly fun. Yeah, I do like how the super shotgun at least kills them faster, though. It's yeah. um those, and this is what I mean by. The super, I know we're retreading ground here a bit, but the super shotgun was a necessary addition to give you the tools to deal with these somewhat tankier enemies. If you didn't have it, the game would be close to unplayable. Um, but I agree with you, James. I think that uh, the chain gunners, the revenants, the mancubus, I know you're not as high on it, the mancubus and the arch file, and um, the pain elementals when used, theoretically, when used in lower numbers, I think they all dramatically add to the experience. And as a whole, they force you to be more aggressive. They make dodging projectiles more interesting. They um, 
create different like ranges of engagement that are effective like you want to snipe the chain gunners but you want to get in the face of revenants with a super shotgun for example and together those enemies all can theoretically if if placed correctly can create really 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 fun gameplay i think the arachnatron and the hell knight and also the cacao demon as you mentioned i think they don't add anything meaningful to the combat puzzle puzzle that is doom i i agree um so to me the existence of the enemies themselves um isn't necessarily a strength or a weakness of doom it's how they're used specifically um has more of an impact on my feelings on the game um so with that in mind um did we want to start talking about the level design and how the game uses these enemies yeah i think um i think we'll cut to another music break though first because uh this is going to be a uh, a big a long discussion. discussion yes um so how did you feel about your song patrick so the the one I picked was Waiting for Romero to Play. And this is a nice point of contrast to James's because this is definitely one of the more uh, slower, more tense tracks. And, you know, there's a, there's a fairly even mix of these. And I was much higher than James was on these as I was, you know, creeping around these levels before getting ambushed and getting angry. So this is Waiting for Romero to Play. was waiting for Romero to play um I thought that was a decent track as well um I you know still don't love the soundtrack it's okay um Patrick it's time it's time for a very lengthy discussion I think about the level design of Doom 2 where would you like to start okay so there's lots of different okay let me let me first talk about this holistically uh how I feel about about the the maps as a whole and then maybe you can talk about holistically and then we can get to breaking it down so big picture i would say that the thing about doom 2's maps is that they are wildly inconsistent yes um doom 1's maps had a very steady and slow build up and i would say that exactly episode one of doom 1 is pretty much perfect they they got the limited monster set limited weapons and they created these awesome set of maps and I loved it start to finish. Uh, Plutonia Experiment has no real build-up consistency. It starts pummeling you out the gates, but the gameplay design of those levels shows a real understanding on how to maximize the weapons, the enemies, the ammo, and the level design. 
Doom 2, on the other hand, feels like a patchwork mess. You've got some, in my mind, extremely good levels. You've got some, you know, good levels. You've got some bad levels, and you've got some actual atrocious levels, some of the worst levels I've played in Doom ever. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know how you feel, James. I, I thought it was very much a mixed bag, and I didn't know when I started a mission if I was getting into a good one or a bad one. So some I want to backpedal a bit and talk a bit about Doom as a series, um, how its level design differs a lot from, you know, modern games or even, you know, other shooters of the time. Because Doom, and especially Doom 2, gives zero fucks about designing a level that resembles a real place whatsoever. Um, the levels in Doom 2 are incredibly abstract, like walls, like... In Doom 2, you can move around and shoot, but you also have an activate button, um, and you can just walk up to a wall sometimes and activate it, and it will just disappear. Um, or, like, levels will, you know, move up and down. There's hidden walls, walls that aren't real walls. Um, none of the geometry or the level design makes any sense from, you know, uh, this is a real place that I'm at. But what it tries to do instead is make really cool and really unique level design that can't be done when done under the constraints of, you know, real-world expectations. And theoretically, I love this because I think that abstract level design that doesn't, you know, draw from real-world inspirations is something that isn't done all the time, especially on, on these days. I think these days it's even rarer for this kind of level design. So I think there's this huge amount of like interesting design space um, that you know you could do theoretically do with this kind of level design. And I think that some levels absolutely succeed at this. Um, but to me, like the majority of the ones in this game do not succeed at it. Um, and to me, Failing at this kind of level design is kind of worse than failing at, you know, more realistic normal level design because there's like story implications and like world and lore building that you can get out of a poor gameplay level. You can't get any of that out of a weird abstract level. So I don't know. I, I feel kind of similarly like you, like it's such a mixed bag. So let's um let's do a bit. I, I want to, it's one thing to say it has bad level design. I want to spend some time exploring what is good level design and what is bad level design. And let's try and pin down the aspects of Doom 2 that produce bad levels and the aspects which produce good levels. Um, I can I can kick us off in an element if you like. Yeah, go ahead. So one of the things I want to talk about um, is this notion of uh, verticality. So Doom 1, for the most part, is ve has very flat level design. You have enemies on different elevations, but and you know there are lifts that take you to different levels. But for the most part, the map, the map is spread out like a pancake. It spreads out in every direction. I would say Doom 2 has far more verticality than Doom 1, but it has no idea how to use it in a way that isn't incredibly frustrating. Yeah. So in Doom 2, you cannot look up. You have to remember that. You can only you only have horizontal movement. So what that means is that if an enemy is on a certain elevation above your, you know, straight on view perspective, 
you literally cannot see it, and the only way you can see it is if you back up while kind of looking in there. Yeah, direction. or you can shoot, and the auto aim will still hit them, and you can hear Hopefully. them getting shot sometimes. Yeah, Hopefully. sometimes. So, you know, there are these levels that have these really tall elements to them that you literally can't see on top of, and sometimes there will be something that tall with a chain gunner on top of it. You know, who is hitting you with a non like with a hit scan weapon, and you can't like no matter where you look you can't see them and you don't know where they are and they do this like all the time so like we said at the start of the episode we kind of forgot whether gz doom turned off vertical hitboxes but i noticed way more in doom 2 uh, that enemies had infinite vertical hitboxes because like you'll be trying to step off a platform and you just there's an invisible wall because there's like an enemy below you like 10 meters or something that should happen to me all the time and it felt like super janky here i gotta say that that vertical hitboxing thing i agree with you that if you when you run into enemies while trying to run off ledges it's super frustrating but I think that it's kind of something you have to accept to a degree when you don't have any vertical movement because you need to be able to hit enemies' consistency on yeah. other layers to you. Um, just returning slightly to the verticality, verticality in Doom, when done correctly, is actually really good. Like, you you want that verticality. It creates more interesting combat encounters uh, when you have enemies on different levels. But they need, you can't put them too high. Like, you need to have them within sight of your regular horizontal movement. And Doom 2 regularly breaks what a reasonable height is. And I think that every level that has these ridiculous skyscrapers with enemies at the top of it is just not fun to play through because you're dealing with enemies you can't see. Um, there's one particular trap on um, where you have to wait for a slow-moving lift to go down yes. so you can ride up it, and there are imps, like, way above you. you. You can't even remotely see them, and it's just fucked. Like, it's not enjoyable at all. Uh, I hate it. So Doom 2 uses verticality poorly in a lot of levels. There was another elevator, one that went down very fast, but then when you got to the bottom, um, there was a bunch of chain gunners at the bottom and you had no... Because, you know, you're in an elevator shaft until you're not and suddenly you're surrounded by hit-scanning, super-fast-shooting enemies. It's like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I found going down to be more frustrating than enemies above me, to be honest. Like, sometimes you'd have to go down and you weren't sure that all the enemies below you were dead. You were just shooting and listening for the sound and then you drop down and there's actually, like, five still alive that weren't making noise <laughs> and now you're dead. It's like, cool, literally had no way to know that they were down here um thanks game you know that's actually a fairly good segue into um my next point about the level design which is i think that the next biggest sin that doom 2 commits with its level design is its overuse of teleporters to me a good doom level should be interconnected it should have a lot of sliding doors that you open and my favorite doom levels kind of aren't very big, they're small, but they're very well interconnected and they kind of loop back on one another. I think Doom 2 levels massively overuse teleporters and you're constantly walking into a teleporter into fucking God knows what and the levels feel very disconnected and disjointed. You're going into these ambushes bl completely blind a lot 
and I really disliked any Doom 2 level, and there are many of them that had you just constantly teleporting between different areas instead of transitioning between them by moving between them. I would take this a step further to lead into my biggest criticism of Tomb's do my biggest criticism of Doom 2's level design is that in a large number of these levels, um, and something we talked about on the Doom 1 episode was that this, because of this abstract level design, there is this idea of monster closets. Like there will be, you'll walk into a room, you'll kill some enemies, and then suddenly these walls will disappear and there'll be this, like five enemies will be sitting in this little hidden passageway and then now they're pouring into the room. Um, and Doom 2 does this as well. It does this a lot. Um, and I don't mind that. I think that it adds tension to the gameplay. Um, but at some points in this game, lots of points in this game, I feel like the people who made this game are fucking with me. Like, I think they're trying to, you know, kill me in really unfair ways. Like, specifically in this level, the factory, like halfway through the game, there is this teleporter. Oh, so bad. There, that that level sucks so much. I hate there, it. There are like four points where you'll get dropped into a room with like 20 enemies in a tiny space or teleported into a three by three grid surrounded by enemies and you have no way of getting out. And like, you're not even supposed to go in that teleporter. The only way you can know that is to die and then do the level again. Right, like I feel like there are so many traps like this that are just blatant trolls. Like the people making this game were giggling to themselves, like, isn't this funny? I just made this guy waste like ten minutes of his life and there's nothing he can do about it. Um there's this one instance to me that like kind of solidifies this to me more than any other in the game, and it's in like the third last level, I think it's called the Spirit World. Mm -hmm. Um there is this idea in the level that there are these walls that aren't real walls. Like, they look like normal walls, but you can walk through them and enemies can walk through them. And that by itself, I don't have a problem with. Like, you're in hell, there can be all sorts of weird stuff. I'm fine with that. And I think, you know, it made finding secrets for the level really fun. There's this one corridor. It's just a long corridor. Um, and you're walking through it, and suddenly you start taking damage, and you don't know why, so you run away. What's actually happened here is that there are three invisible walls down this hallway, and inside those rooms are fucking chain gunners, right? Like, to me, if you're designing a hot corridor with hidden walls, you can do a couple things. You could, let's, let's think about what enemies you can put behind these invisible walls, right? You could put pinkies so you're walking through the corridor, and suddenly all these enemies burst out of the walls and it's quite alarming. But you can you even can put run, an arch file. You like can you run can away. You can put an arch file, right? You can put, yeah, you can put an arch file because you see the effect on your screen and you can run. You can put imps and you can see projectiles coming out of the walls and that's weird. But you put these fucking hit scan enemies that have no animation in there and the, so you just don't know what's happening. Like... Why? Like, this was obviously intentional. They picked the literal worst enemy to put behind these walls, and that was, like, clearly designed to fuck with the player. And I felt like I was being fucked with in, like, every other level in this game. So, so what you're trying to say, James, is that we can distinguish between fair ambushes and unfair ambushes. Yeah. Okay. All right, so 
basically, I think that a lot of the ambushes in this game are bullshit, particularly yeah. all the ones relating to teleporting. But would you concede that perhaps some of the ambushes that you would consider unfair are simply too hard for you as an inexperienced player and that with time as you grow better you'd be better able to react to specific sets of ambushes so in that example that i gave before i agree there's no no don't get me wrong i'm not trying to say that your examples are invalid i'm trying to say that I think that you have bad ambushes, good ambushes, and then some ambushes in the middle, which are player skill level dependent. Because, for example, Plutonia Experiment, I had a lot of problems with it when I first started playing it because it would throw these ambushes at me and it would deliberately play against your expectations with these ambushes and they'd kill me, right? they'd, They'd get me. Like, I wouldn't know how to react. But... The more I played Plutonia, the more I played Scythe, the better I got at reacting appropriately to these ambushes and surviving. So what I found was that my playthrough of Doom 2, while there were ambushes which were bullshit, 100% agree, I think it's possible that some of the ambushes you're describing were not impossible to deal with and that you simply don't have the experience and abilities to make the decision making you need to to survive so if i get ambushed and i die immediately sometimes i will die and i'll be like okay if i had reacted faster i could have dealt with that like if i was a better fps player i could deal with this like Hmm. in those situations i'm not mad at the game like that they killed me like to some extent the the designer of the game wants to kill the player because the game needs to be challenging i'm perfectly happy for that like if those invisible walls had like a million projectiles come out and i didn't react and i died that's fine like when i die and there's literally like no matter how skilled i am like i couldn't have avoided that like a teleporter dumped me in a box of dudes uh that's when it makes me angry um and i encountered that thing fairly reasonably like one of the levels that i liked was called the pit yeah i love that level the pit is like 90 percent monster closets yeah like there are so many but they're all super fair like and i died a lot in that level but it was a good level i liked you know the constant tension because once it establishes that there's like a hundred closets you know literally every wall is terrifying and that was great um and even though i died i always knew that you know if i was better at the game i might not have died you know there was that idea there that i could have been better to avoid it but then there's levels like the factory that i mentioned or downtown which teleports you constantly into pits of dudes it's like what the fuck are these things um, and there were lots of levels like that, and I really did not enjoy those. Okay, yeah, and James, listen, for the most part, I agree with you. It's just, um, I just wanted to raise that distinction because it's something that Plutonia Experiment does a lot. Like, there'll be a key in the middle of the room, and then as you walk towards it, it will choose that point to to make an arch vial and a Baron of Hell spawn on either side of you, and... The thing is, I, that was impossible for me. Like, I, I died three times to that. But I was eventually able to deal with it once, you know, once I got better at it. And playing Doom 2, I felt much better equipped to deal with these ambushes. I only died, like, once or twice to ambushes because I was more prepared and probably better at circle strafing. Um, that doesn't 
the fact that I survived doesn't make it good design, of course. It's just that I uh, I want I want people to know that there are good ambushes and bad ambushes, and Doom Two has a lot of bad ones. Yeah, it does. It really does. And then, like, to compound that, right? Like, the way I describe it is that there are like entire levels that feel like they are made to fuck with you, right? That mm. feel like, like in any other game, these would be bonus levels, right? And it's all about to me it's kind of like for example barrels of uh barrels of fun right which we mentioned before as a whole level that's themed around exploding barrels everywhere and i you know even though i hadn't played doom 2 i had read that people hated this level you know years ago um so i was like oh boy here we go when i got in i actually think the first two rooms of barrels of fun are perfectly fair like, there's a lot of barrels, but there's a trick. Like, you shoot one of them, the barrel explodes, and you immediately run into the space there, and then all the other barrels explode. You're fine. And then after the first two rooms, it's there's tons of barrels, and there's tons of pain elementals, and there's tons of chain gunners and imps, and yeah. It's just like, that. there was two levels of goodness here, and now, fuck you, player, have fun. Um... And this level would be okay if it was a secret level, but it's not. It's a main level. And there's heaps of fucked levels like this that are feel like they're just there to fuck with you. Um, and it's really annoying. Doom 2 suddenly leans into gimmicks much harder than Doom 1 does. Like, you'll have a level where you'll open the door and the idea is to have a cyber demon and a spider mastermind fight one another. And that's the main interesting thing about the level. Or you've got tricks and traps, which is just a level full of trolls, and that's the that's the that's whole, the whole thing. That's the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Um, I I do want to say though, James, I agree that there are a lot of bad levels in Doom Two, but I th the thing is that's kind of interesting about Doom Two is that you it's hard to look at it holistically because for all of the bad levels, there are some really good levels here. Like, I liked a few of the tail end uh, levels of episode three, like Monster Condo. I liked a lot of the episodes in episode one. And I think episode one is actually, or, you know, the first set of 10 levels is, has like two bad levels and six great ones. Like, I think the opening set of levels is actually really strong. And as bad as the opening sections of the city levels are um which is you know the factory and the city which are just trash i think there are a few good levels in there as well i think the city levels are like 90 percent garbage like, I, I think like, i'm not there's like I'm not, three out of ten that are good i i'm not quite that far down on i would say there's like three to four awful ones a few okay ones and some good ones which is not a good track record to be fair but um i i guess the point i'm trying to make is that you, you almost need to look at each Doom map in isolation of all the others because you can have a Doom 2 map that's a 10 out of 10 right next to a Doom 2 map that's 1 out of 10. It's the level design and how these elements are used which informs how enjoyable the experience is. Doom 2 has all of the elements required to be to make 30 incredible levels. Like, they're all here. Like, the the blueprint is solid. It's just that when they made Doom 2, they had no fucking idea what to do with all of these elements. And as a result, you get a bunch of gimmicky shit and a bunch of poor level design decisions that you're forced to endure. Probably, I would say 
probably half of these levels are bad to awful. Like, Fallout 15 are not very good levels. Yeah, so to me, the biggest problem is that to, you know, it's like every other level will be atrocious, and to... It's not quite that bad. It's not... 15 okay, it's like one levels. it's like it's like one in three to one in four is atrocious sure. one in one and sure. two is mediocre is the way i feel about it like yeah. and to get to the good levels you have to play through the bad levels right like it's not like the super kimiki levels are saved for secret exits like there's only two secret levels in this game as opposed to the bunch in the first um you know these super gimmicky painful levels are just peppered in with the regular levels and if you want to play the rest of the game well you gotta buckle in and deal with the bullshit and i it really makes me kind of mad to be honest um Mm. i would say that out of the whole 30 levels there's probably like three that i really liked and the rest were either i hated or was you know whatever about them to be honest yeah see for me it's more like of the 30 levels, I enjoyed playing through about 15, and then, I don't know, 5, 6 were, like, mediocre, whatever, and then, you know, 9 were, I hate, like, I, I hated them to, I was like, this is bad. So, e- even though I'm a bit higher than you are, James, on these general levels, I broadly agree with the point you're trying to make. Like, I think that... The thing I don't hate the things to the same degree you do, but I understand why you you dislike them. It's annoying because, like you, I think all of the ingredients here are good. The core mechanics of Doom are so good that you know, even in the truly terrible levels, you sometimes enjoy it yourself because it feels good to run around and shoot things, right? Mm-hmm. But the addition of the new monsters, they're just fucking squandered half the time. Like you said, like whenever you walk into a room and there's like 10 cacao demons, you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, why do I have to sit here for like five minutes, like bored out of my brain, like shooting them you know, with rockets or, like, three shots each with the shotgun. Like, this is not fun. This is, like, wasting my time. Not just the level design, but the encounter design. It's like, we got we got to talk about Dark Souls more because it's us. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest criticisms, actually, of Dark Souls 2 is that instead of designing encounters with, like, interesting enemies, they just throw, like, 20 at you at a time. And, like, I was getting Dark Souls 2 flashbacks all the fucking time in Doom 2. I was like, why are they just throwing 30 dudes at me? Can they not just make an interesting enemy and have me fight three in a special configuration? And I was thinking about that one level that I played of Plutonia Experiment with you the Mm -hmm. entire time, where there's, like, 10% of the enemies in the level but they're put in interesting positions and I need to use my ammo properly and, you know, fight them a certain way in order to progress. That was way more interesting than anything, like, in this entire game. So I want to rewind a bit to that point you just made about having lots of enemies because I don't think having lots of enemies is specifically bad because we had we talked about the pit and the pit has shitloads of enemies. Um, one of the points I wanted to bring up about Doom 2's and, and also Doom 1's level design is and how it differs from a modern game like Doom Eternal and even something like call the modern Call of Duties is the difference between 
engaging threats as you move through a level and engaging threats in designated arenas where you're allowed to fight the enemies. And this is something that is present in Doom 1 and Doom 2 and is, was a common thing for these classic FPS games, but doesn't really exist to anywhere the name, same degree in modern shooters. And one of the things that The Pit does exceptionally well is as you are moving through the level, shit is happening that is forcing you to engage enemies as you go. And I think the key with that is that as you move forward and a sliding door opens, you fight like 15 enemies and then you move forward and you fight another 10 to 15 enemies. And even though there are a lot of enemies on that level, you're only realistically engaging them in small batches at a time. But it's not, here is a predefined location to have this arena fight. It feels a lot more natural because your pace through the level determines the rate at which you're encountering these monsters. And I think that it's okay to have a lot of monsters as long as the level design is done in such a way that you're engaging them in in small chunks at a time. Yeah, I kind of just like having encounters to be designed. Like, I see what you're saying. Like, in newer games, you generally walk into a room and that is a set encounter that was very specifically designed the way it was. Whereas in Doom 1, like, enemies will follow you between rooms lots of times and sometimes you'll dodge enemies to just conserve ammo. And you can get into really, you know, unique situations. Mm -hmm. But to me, these all kind of blurred together by the end because whenever, you know, enemies congregated in large packs, like, to me, in my head one large pack of enemies is indistinct from another large pack of enemies because I just engage with them the exact same way, which is pull out my rocket launcher or my BFG and shoot at them. Um, like, once they... Unless there is specifically an arch file in that pack or a pain elemental, I consider one blob of enemy to be, like, a single threat. Um, so it kind of made the game feel extremely samey. Like... When I played through Doom 1, and I, and even this episode, when I praised the, the horizontal aiming, I don't think there's enough gameplay depth, or at least this game didn't mine enough gameplay depth, that, you know, it felt significantly different between the starting levels and the ending levels. Like, everything in my head is just a huge blur together of either I'm fighting one of the enemies one-on-one -on -one, or I'm fighting a big, you know, nondescript pack of dudes. Like, when I played this game for the first time, it felt like the difficulty ramped up a lot in the first episode, and then it was just, like, flat for the rest of the game. Um, I think that it certainly... Um... I think that's a fair criticism. I think that the last few levels, the Spirit World, Monster Condo, and the penultimate level that I can't remember the name of, but it's the one where you're you're kind of like going along these led not not the one with the literal tiny ledges, but you're kind of going mm. around the outside of the level and doing all these deviations into a room, and yeah. then that opens the next thing. I, I thought that was a really good level. I really enjoyed that. It had a nice flow to it as you were moving through. I think that those levels were definitely a step up in terms of challenge, but I agree that the middle chunk of this game, mainly because that's where the worst levels are, 
does tend to blend together in an ugly mess. Um, so James, I got to say, I disagree with you. I find that um, encounter based designs, the kind of stuff you see in doom 26 and doom eternal are kind of boring. Like, the intrinsic gameplay can be interesting, but from a level design point of view, they're just a bunch of Quake 3 arenas. I think that this far more non-linear, open-ended uh, design that you see in Doom 1 and Doom 2 can theoretically lead to far more interesting encounters. I um I tried to get clever a couple of times on, on Monster Condo and um, the Spirit World, where I chose to not fight monsters in order to conserve ammo. And both times it dramatically backfired on me when those monsters that I didn't fight ended up chasing me across the map until I was sandwiched between two groups of enemies. <laughs> and that were the most fun battles I had where I was frantically trying to juggle these enemies and trying to figure out where best to maneuver to take these fights at that point in time. And that's just something that you'll never have in pre-designated arena shooters. One of the things that I think having lots of enemy spam does to negatively impact my experience of Doom is that it kind of takes away from the character or the threat of any of the enemies, right? Like, by the by level 10, you've seen every enemy of the game. Or oh, 11, I think O of Destruction level 11 is when they introduced the Archvile. And then, because you see every single enemy in such large quantities for every level after that, like, by the end of the game, like... I don't know, I just was so... I didn't feel anything when I saw specific enemies anymore. Like, I was just like, okay, there's a bunch of cacao demons again, there's a bunch of imps again, um, and I was actively avoiding tanky enemies because I just didn't... Like, it was not fun to shoot them anymore. Like, I just... I'd shot so many of each of them that I was no longer interested in any single enemy in the entire game. I will I will clarify to you, James, that I far prefer smaller levels as well. And what you're describing, the... The limited use of monsters used in the right way can be a far greater threat is very much the design principle behind Plutonia Experiment and Scythe. Like, that's what those levels are all about. The levels are tiny in some cases. Scythe, Scythe in the first episode has some absurdly small, small uh, levels, but that are just so well designed that you move from threat to threat really cleverly, and it does a lot with very little. But at some stage, I'm also okay with having large fights against monsters as but it's got to be the interesting monsters uh when you throw 30 pinkies at me i yawn but if you throw 10 revenants at me now we're fucking talking 10 revenants is scary doom 2 never gets up to 10 revenants i think there's one monster closet right at the end that has 10 revenants in it when you open a door or whatever but for the most part it's throwing these are more uninteresting enemies at you. And I think that with the correct enemy composition, you can make fights against large groups of enemies interesting. I agree with you that Doom 2 generally doesn't go for that, though. Doom 2 also doesn't have bosses, I don't think. Like, that was something that was interesting about the first What do you mean? Oh, we got to talk about the final level, James. That's that's a boss fight. What, what did you think of Icon of Sin? <sighs> Um, I don't know if it's a boss. It's more like a wall with an anim an animated face that has a <laughs> hole that you shoot in. The in the first game, it's like there is there are bosses. Like there are there's the cyber demon, 
and like when you fight the cyber demon in the huge thing where you run around and collect rockets that's awesome and then there's the fight with the you know the brain the the spidertron brain thing which that is was very cool. disappointing <laughs> it's cool though like there's nothing like that in this game icon of sin doesn't even come close to those fights to me did, it's just did you can i ask you i i knew what to do for icon of sin because i did it as a kid and i've seen it a million times did you have you heard of the icon of sin fight did you know what was going on when the level started um, no, I died a lot of times and then looked it up eventually. <laughs> he looked it up. All right. Well, Fair I enough. died like 10 times. Like, basically, I got far enough that I was killing out most of the enemies. And then I would go onto that platform in the middle and, like, mm-hmm. shoot rockets at the dude for ages and nothing was happening. Yeah. Um, and then got confused and looked it up. So. Yeah, James, it's it's a terrible last level. I hate it. It's awful. Um, it, it the other thing is you can just get screwed by RNG because if it spawns archviles, because there's this icon of sin is randomly spawning monsters. If it spawns archviles, then the archviles will you know burn yep. you and bounce you off the platform, mm-hmm. and there's you don't have a whole lot of control over it. So. Yeah, don't don't feel bad. That level sucks, and you shouldn't feel bad for looking up a walkthrough. <laughs> Something that I just remembered that this game does all the time and just, like, screams like people don't know what they're doing is sometimes there would be these levels that you'd walk into a big room that had, like, four doors. Now, to me, that screams exploration. It's like you have to go figure out where to go. But actually, there's a giant arrow on the floor pointing which door to go to. It's like, what the fuck is this? This feels like a mod, like some kid made this level. Like, I don't understand. Like, either have the level naturally lead the player through the, like, interesting level design and, you know, lighting and, you know, there's ammo on the ground and you follow the ammo into this room and that's where you go. But a fucking arrow on the floor? Like, what? Yeah, that um, that arrow is infamous, actually. <laughs> is it's, it? It's, yeah, it's used to demonstrate how shitty that specific level is because a lot of people consider that the low point of all Doom levels, apart from, you know, one or two secret ones. But yeah, that level is pretty much universally hated <laughs> for its terrible level design. I thought Barrels of Fun was worse. Um, yeah, Barrels of Fun is just gimmicky. Um, the was, Courtyard was, there... was gimmicky. What was the courtyard again? So basically, it's the one where like the exit room is in the spawning room, but it's like behind. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That was that was not a very good level. It was just run <laughs> no. around. You just ran ran around, and when you ran over certain parts of the floor, enemies would spawn in. You'd kill them, and then you'd run to the next patch of floor. Yeah, yep. not a very good level. Yeah, I wouldn't Sub- even call it gimmicky. It's just a bad level. Suburbs was a much better take on that idea, in my opinion. Um, the it was like big and open, and there was points of interest, but they were like kind of segregated from each other and more interesting on their own. That was an okay level. What about the one with all the with the narrow ledges you have to run over, where they tried to turn Doom into a platformer? A platformer, what, but there's also all these enemies that shoot you off the platforms constantly. <laughs> Oh man, I was like, that was, yeah, I, I I didn't fall off the level at that point, but that was like perfect example of a level where it feels like the designers are fucking with you. Yeah, that was that was funny for me because when I was a kid, 
that shit was impossible for me. I was just playing on a keyboard. So it was just, I had to, I was playing with, without strafing. It was just like literally turning with the arrow keys. And this time I played it and I was just running full speed over them. So it was quite funny. So it didn't, it didn't cause like problems for me, but I was like, this is just garbage. Like, why, why is this Like, here? why is it like this? James, are you, are, are, there was, so before we move to final impressions, I want to draw a comparison with Doom 2 because I was trying to figure out like what it was reminding me of. And what it reminds me of is actually Super Mario World in some way. So you and I were much higher on Super Mario World than we were on Doom 2. But the thing that they've got in common is that they have a bunch of different elements and they didn't really push those elements to the max. Like Super Mario World will give you a new thing. It will use it for one or two levels and then you'll literally never see it again in the game. And it was up to the ROM hack community and the Super Mario Maker community who have created these insanely good levels, often using only one or two of these gimmicks at a time to create these masterpieces of levels. And when I play Doom 2, it kind of reminds me of Mario in that regard. Like, even though, you know, Super Mario World ends up being a better game on balance than Doom 2 because it's more fun, um, I think there's a comparison to be drawn there of Doom 2 is better because of the things it contains, the elements it has, than the way those things are put together. Doom 2 feels like a game that's really important to people who want to make their own levels, right? Like all of the the little bits and pieces that it adds are theoretically great for designing Doom levels. They're just not consistently used in a good way. Um... And, you know, it's, I feel like even then there's probably, like for me, I want a sequel to have more stuff than Doom 2 does too. Like getting a single weapon and like two enemies that I enjoy fighting kind of isn't enough for me. Yeah, I uh, I disagree on that. Like I, I think that, I think that the gameplay experience of Doom 2 is dramatically different to that of Doom 1, even though they're using a lot, even though not a whole lot has been added. I think that you play Doom 1, it just feels very different to Doom 2. I would say far more of a difference than Thief 1 to Thief 2. James, let's. I, I think we've said most of what we need to say. We'll move on to final impressions now, I think. So, um, James, tell us what you thought of Doom 2. Would you recommend it? Doom 2 adds some interesting ideas to the Doom formula, and ultimately, I think mechanically feels better to play than doom one despite that despite having you know everything go in its favor to have some interesting enemies a way better snappier feeling combat thanks to the super shotgun it manages to throw all of that out the window with some of the worst level design i've seen ever this feels like a mod this game feels like you know two kids like who liked playing doom tried to make some levels and didn't go very well uh i felt like half the levels i hated and then like a quarter of them were mediocre and then i liked you know like a quarter of the levels in this game and to me it didn't feel worth 
you know, struggling through all of that stuff that I hated to get to what I liked. And it was really frustrating for me because even in the levels that I hated, there were these glimmers of brilliance because the core gameplay is so good that occasionally you'll feel like you're having fun only for it to be thwarted by the terrible level design yet again. So unfortunately I cannot recommend Doom 2 as an experience to play today. I think that Doom 2 absolutely adds some really interesting ideas that obviously the modding scene you know and custom mod creators have used to make some cool levels. Uh, like I don't think there was a single level that I thought was better than that first level of Plutonia Experiment that I tried. Um, so, you know, for me, Doom 2 is quite a hard pass. I did not enjoy this anywhere near as much as I liked the first game. And I even liked the, you know, the faster feeling combat a little bit more here. But the level design to me is just so bad that it undermines everything good that they've improved about this as a sequel. So I'm I'm nowhere near as down as James is on Doom 2, even though I broadly agree with a lot of his substantive criticisms. I would say that the game has a lot of bullshit moments, but maybe not as many as James suggests. And I think that while there are some truly atrocious maps here, I don't think uh, there are so many that you can't enjoy playing through doom 2 and get enjoyment from the good and you know solid to good and excellent maps um really the problem with doom 2 comes down to its level design not everything it added was brilliant the hell knights and the arachnotrons aren't as great but despite adding very little the things it added had a have theoretically an enormous impact on the gameplay and the way it flows Doom 2 was the first foray with this, you know, with this tool set of new monsters and the people designing the game had no idea how to maximize them either for fun or for challenge. And as a result, a lot of the time the levels feel messy and disorganized and don't feel like you're really having anywhere near as much fun as you could be. That being said, I think the fundamental gameplay is so good that it can make up for some of the mediocre level design and i think that if you enjoy doom 1 and you want to continue playing doom doom 2 is a necessary step in terms of difficulty before you move on to stuff like plutonium experiment and other custom wads because while doom 2 is not the best game it does have a decent difficulty curve for people who haven't played with all of these monsters and super shotguns. If you go into Plutonia Experiment after playing Doom 1, you are going to rage quit very quickly, unless you're, you have a particular taste and love for outrageous challenge. And I think for most people, playing Doom 2 is a good way to build up to the good stuff that exists out there. So in that sense, overall, I do recommend Doom 2 if you would like to play Doom and you want to play the harder stuff just because it's a good intermediary step, but it is not a high pass. It's a marginal pass. And if you're not really interested in Doom as a series in these classic FPS games, I don't think Doom 2 is the game to convince you that these classic FPS games are worth your time. So I give it a pass for those interested in Doom, but don't but don't expect an amazing experience. It's it's a it's an okay to good one. 
I guess the the most negative thing that I can say about the game is that each of these levels is quite short. You can beat them in like seven to ten minutes. So theoretically, you can beat like four or five within an hour. Um, I was beating like two an hour because every time I finished one level, I was like, I don't want to play anymore. But, you know, I had to force myself through for the show. Like, I, there was never a point in the last two weeks where I was like, I'm excited to go home after work and play Doom 2. Yeah. It was like, I was afraid, you know, like, every level I booted up was potentially another troll level. And I was like, I just, I don't want to do, do to load into one of those again yeah whereas for me i i was doing a single save at the start of every map and if i died i would reload that save so i wasn't pistol starting if i died but i would only do one save per map and i would say i might have a death uh every after the first 10 or so which i got through dying once i might die once every two to three levels uh but you know i've i've played far harder doom maps so that's to be expected and maybe for you, James, with it being far more challenging, I, I can see why that would be more frustrating. Um, and I can see how for a first-time player that would be very annoying. But for, yeah, I, I blasted through fairly quickly. I mean, I just don't think that any of the enemies are fun to fight. Especially stuff like the cacao demons that take a million shots. Like, I just... I get, I got, I got bored, like, during half of the levels. I don't know what... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I was often fighting the cacao demons while, um, you know, I'd be dodging fire from imps at the same time. And the later levels have a lot more dangerous ledges with falls on either side. So you have to strafe in particular patterns. You can't just strafe anywhere. I think that the one of the things that Doom 2 doesn't do very well is it gives you just unlimited um, areas to move around. I think that one of the best ways to make these encounters interesting, even for fighting against something like the the demons or the imps, is to restrict your the places you can move into. If you can't just move anywhere, whether it's you know falling over a cliff or running into a wall, then suddenly it becomes a lot more challenging to dodge even a, a projectile coming at you in a straight line. Mm. Uh, we didn't touch on secrets. Um... Let's do it. Let's break structure. Let's touch on Let's the break structure and talk about break secrets. Stru- in, in the spirit of episode one of the Retrospectives podcast, let's uh, <laughs> let's completely break our structure. James, let's what make did another you think, mess. What did you think of the secrets? I actually thought that this was quite good. This was the one part of the game that I consistently enjoyed. I thought that by the end of the game, I had gotten a lot better at finding secrets, and it was the one area in the game... Like, I obviously got better mechanically at fighting things, like I used run constantly near the end and I was finding easy to dodge, but finding secrets was satisfying in a way that, you know, shooting monsters wasn't, so I was consistently happy and think that, you know, this is one of the biggest strengths of this weird abstract level design that doesn't make any sense, is that you can put weird secrets anywhere and anywhere, um, and it becomes, you know, a real... A real joy to find them the thing is you burn through ammo so fast in this game because there are so many monsters that finding ammo is like feels really good like finding cell ammo finding rockets 
And sometimes even finding shotgun ammo can feel good if you're if you're running low on ammo. And secrets are stocked with health and armor and generally the the rarer ammo that you you have less of. So the secrets are not only satisfying to find, they have satisfying things inside of them. That was one of the problems with uh, Dark Messiah of Minor Magic when we played it. The secrets were satisfying to find, but then you would just find generic weapon that you already owned and you'd be uninterested you very rarely feel bad finding a a secret that has some rockets in it because you can make use of those rockets that said i felt in dark messiah sometimes you could find like a magic item that was interesting in doom 2 you don't really ever find something that's special like outside of the first time you find a bfg um yeah that's fine though like i i don't yeah, know it's okay i yeah. I, I, mean, I get what doom you're can't saying really doom can't really support that kind of thing and that's fine it's not a mark against the game but it's not like it's not like the highest point that a secret finding like other games could do i, I still I got know. an endorphin boost whenever i saw those mega spheres that you know gave yep. me full health 200 percent of health 200 percent armor yeah me too yeah so i i don't know i i think they did that job Alrighty, so I guess that wraps things up. Thank you for listening to the little interlude there. <laughs> um, James and I, of course, make up the Retrospectors podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us talk about Doom 2. It's a pleasure to have you as always. Um, you can find all of our content on our website, rspodcast.net. It's got links to all of our episodes, all 63 of them, um, a bunch of articles that James and I have both written about old games and new. And it's got all of our social media links, uh, the most important of which is our Discord server. Um, in terms of social media interaction and interacting with fans, my favorite thing to do and my favorite way to interact and talk to people is on our Discord server because we can have an actual conversation and even an argument if uh, if required. And I do love arguing and talking about old games. So James and I would love if you've enjoyed the episode. If you've got an opinion, we'd love to hear it. Drop by our Discord server and tell us what you think. So James, that wraps up Doom 2. This and time, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> this time, you haven't actually told me what game we're playing for next Fortnite. So lay it on me, man. What 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 are we playing after after Doom Two? Well, Patrick, I really didn't enjoy Doom Two. Like, I'm not sure I want to play another Doom game now. I really, really didn't like that. So I'm feeling I'm feeling vindictive. <laughs> no, we're doing a JRPG, aren't we? Fuck. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go oh. down that path, aren't we? Um, so we're gonna play East Othinfelgana, which is actually more of an action RPG. Um, that we might be able to compare to a game maybe like Fury. I've looked at a lot of the boss fights in it, and they look quite fun. Um, so you know, this is more of a you know a third person action game with some light RPG elements on the side. Um, so I've been told it's really good by multiple people at this point that have been asked by several people to play it so um yeah we're going to be doing oath and felgana next you um you made me buy this a while ago and i bought it in the hope that i would never have to play it and i was like you know what ten dollars is a good price to pay for never having to play it but i guess this how does that get you out of it it locks you in <laughs> <with> everything <laughs> I, I knew this day would come it doesn't look as painful as most jrpgs although the art style is very anime jrpg ish in a in, in a it bad looks way. okay yeah so 
I'm expecting to not like it, but hopefully, you know, I, I, <laughs> I suffer through it and I find some enjoyment in the experience. I, I don't mind if you hate it, Patrick. In fact, that would be more fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I don't think we. I don't think anyone wants me to do another Lunar Silver Star story rant. We should do our best to avoid that. Ah, <laughs> oh, should we? <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, we'll find out if Patrick hates it on the next episode of Retrospectives. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.